0: to learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach visit stripe.com/tapiphone. Hi DTNS listeners and welcome back to another edition of the Monthly Science News. I'm Dr. Nikki Ackermans, your science correspondent here with some of the top science and tech stories for the month of November. Starting out with maybe my favorite science story of the past years, it has to do with California condors. In the 1980s, the California condor population dropped dangerously low to only 22 individuals until a captive breeding program that's still running today was able to bring them back from critically endangered to stable numbers. It was a huge success in conservation biology. And as part of this program at the San Diego Zoo, scientists routinely collect genetic information from the chicks to keep a record of who their parents were. However, this time around, when they were collecting data on two male chicks that are affectionately named SB260 and SB517, they couldn't find a genetic contribution from any of the males in the program, meaning that both chicks had 100% of their mother's DNA. After thoroughly checking and rechecking their results, I can imagine, the team concluded that condors had indeed for the first time shown evidence of parthenogenesis, meaning asexual reproduction. I need you to know that this is a huge deal in the biology world. This is a condition that's usually reserved for reptiles, fish, or insects, but it is very rarely seen in birds, so this blew scientists' collective mind, especially because scientists were asking themselves why the birds didn't do this in the 80s when all that money was dumped into the breeding programs. But jokes aside, the genetic data collected from these birds is being reviewed in detail, and we have a lot more to learn about this phenomenon. Moving on to our short astronomy story. Astronomers have found the Milky Way's first known feather. The Apex Telescope, based in Chile, is a millimeter to submillimeter observatory that hosts a large number of instruments to collect data on emissions produced by the cold dust and gas in our galaxy. This is a pretty famous telescope. It participated in imaging the first black hole back in 2019. And in another first, researchers have now found a long, thin filament of cold-dense gas extending from the center of the galaxy and connecting two of the Milky Way's spiral arms. This so-called feather was named the Gangatory wave after the glacier at the source of the Ganges River. It is unusually wavy in appearance, but astronomers are not quite sure why. Moving on to education... Roblox announced a $10 million investment for nonprofit organizations to develop educational games for middle school to college students. One of the planned games will teach robotics and another focuses on space exploration. A third aims to help students with concepts of computer science, biomedical science, and engineering. For now, teachers can use pre-built templates to customize game levels and interactive tutorials for their students, focusing on specific topics. Roblox hopes to have 100 million students learning in the metaverse by 2030. Let's make science with politics. A large bipartisan infrastructure bill was signed into law mid-November by the U.S. President Biden. Among other sectors, this bill involves $7.5 billion towards building the first national network of electric vehicle chargers in the U.S. And it also mentions the delivery of thousands of electric school buses by the Department of Transportation. This bill represents the first major U.S. investment into climate resilience, putting aside $47 billion to prepare communities for natural disasters, and $3 billion for research and development for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Future bills plan to set aside funds for the National Science Foundation and the Department of Education Office of Science. Now, a quick rundown of the Sunday Science Supplements topics that I covered on this month's Daily Tech Headlines. First, Facebook AI Research, or FAIR, announced an open-source suite of tactile technologies to give robots a sense of touch. This includes a low-cost tactile sensor using LED RGBs called Digit that recognizes the shadow coming through the robot's transparent fingertips as a sort of sense of touch. FAIR is also developing a virtual environment for training robots called Tatco, that uses machine learning to generate its own touch data and create training simulations, instead of having to generate this all manually. Finally, Fair also discussed a touch-sensitive skin for robots called Reskin. It's made from silicon material that contains micromagnetic particles that are layered over a grid of magnetometers to measure magnetic force, and this is how the robot interprets its sense of touch. The best part about all of this is that it's open source, so you could technically download it and print it and build it all yourself. Touching on some more tactile science, Meta showcased a haptic glove prototype designed for VR and AR interaction. We dove into the science behind haptic technology and all the different ways it's implemented to provide feedback in different contexts. Meta's haptic glove uses inflatable plastic ridges that are in close contact to the hand to provide a sense of touch. But other electronics, like the Apple Watch, use haptics as well, in the form of either vibrations, air puffs, a type of force feedback that uses resistance, or ultrasound to create pressure. We went over the latest advances in haptic technology and explained how they're able to trick your brain into feeling things that aren't there. We also covered a surprisingly large range of applications for haptic tech, from surgery to video games. Perovskite is a new material that may be an alternative to crystalline silicon used in solar panels. These types of panels take a lot of time, money, and energy to process, so perovskite is a cheaper alternative because it's made from readily available lead salts. Its specific structure allows it to be made into a liquid to print onto film, and that actually improves the solar panel's performance. Perovskite isn't replacing silicon just yet, but it is being used in combination with silicon until more work is done to make it manufacturable at a larger scale. For a final story of the month, we talked about living ink. This one was pretty cool. Researchers from Harvard were able to genetically modify Escherichia coli bacteria to create nanofibers, out of which they were able to make ink for a modified 3D bioprinter. They were also able to edit the bacteria in this ink to either absorb toxins or excrete drugs, as well as self-repair. This technology is, however, only in the beginning stages of its development, but I think we can all agree that it's pretty cool. A short COVID update. You may have heard COVID variants have moved on to a new letter of the Greek alphabet, the lowercase o, hence omicron or omicron as people are pronouncing it so that they sound more sci-fi, I guess. Variants are created by viruses mutating. It's a scary word, but it really is one of the virus's only jobs. They replicate all day long, and they make a few mistakes, which are mutations. There's not a lot of information out there on this new variant as of yet, because science takes time. But here's what we know so far. Omicron has developed highly mutated spike proteins, but that doesn't mean that it can evade vaccine-based immune responses. How efficient its transmissibility is is still unknown, and it's also unclear whether an Omicron infection is related to a more severe disease or not because of the small number of cases that are actually reported. For the same reasons, the vaccine effect on the variant is unconfirmed. We'll know more when cases increase, as do studies. So stay safe, everybody. Closing up with a fun story. At the beginning of the month, the first lab-grown meat factory in the U.S. opened up in California. Upside Foods grows meat in the lab the same way that it grows in an animal's body, that is, by starting with one cell and providing it with nutrients so that it can divide and multiply. They grow cells in large tanks called bioreactors until enough of it grows that can make a whole meal. The company is still awaiting FDA approval but they expect their cultured meat to significantly reduce carbon emissions and save on land and water that's traditionally needed for livestock farming. Another upside is the potential limit to zoonotic diseases, meaning illnesses that can get transferred from animals to humans, one of which we have become all too familiar with in the past years. Another one of the company's main concerns is ethics, which they definitely have in check unless the machines start becoming sentient. Uh, In any case, I'm a vegetarian, and I would totally eat this if it passes all the inspections, of course. That's it for this month. I hope you feel just a little bit smarter. And if you have any questions, you can find me on Twitter at Ackermans Nicole, or you can listen in to Daily Tech Headlines for the next Sunday Science Supplement. I'll be back next month with more science and tech news. Thanks for listening.